Welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. All right, hey everybody, I'm Chase Will, and this is the first episode of the Family Fright Night Podcast. Today we are joined by John Wayne Camino. Caminale. Caminale. I got it right. right now. <laughs> John Wayne is the author of Death Packs and Left Hand Paths, Scummer, as seen on TV, and several other books. I think they're primarily under Grindhouse Press, right? Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff under Grindhouse Press, but uh, also Death's Head Press as well. Sweet. And uh, done some uh, I've ever racer head press stuff and Rooster Republic back in my bizarro days. Oh, yeah. Know. So now I met John Wayne at the uh, Scares to Care AuthorCon, the first one ever. And uh, first impression I got was, who the hell is this angry looking dude? Oh, shit. He wrote one of the best books ever. <laughs> Ang- See, did you? So you thought I looked angry? No, I think I saw you for the first time at uh, Scarioke. I was like, I saw you near the stage. I'm like, he must be uh, in a band or something. Is there a band playing soon? Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. waiting. I was like, when's the band go on? <laughs> dude, it's uh, that's funny because a lot of people um, do like, send me messages and shit we're like it was so nice to meet you i didn't think you would be this nice (laughs) like and i understand for the people at home like is this a video like people can watch this video too or just audio i'm gonna do both both okay so if you can't see me if you're listening i'm i am heavily tattooed and i know that that's just like a like a i was talking to somebody the other day about this like a you know like a puffer fish just it's like a defense mechanism it just like pops up like you know i'm not really like a, a tough guy <laughs> don't test me no but like you know people, <laughs> i don't have to like uh i don't know it's like a little bit of like a i'm a badass looking motherfucker don't fuck with me and then i'm like <laughs> i'm really a giant pussy but don't tell anyone you know <laughs> it's one of those one of those things you ever do that uh wide lats walk people do it's like puff themselves I, uh, up not on purpose, but maybe. <laughs> I mean, if you want to do it together, we could uh, one day. I actually, I was at. A, I was just talking to another artist. Um, he was about to go get his neck tattooed oh, um, in Chicago uh, when I was there last week, and he and uh, I was like, "Well, be ready for your life to drastically change." And he was like, <laughs> "Really?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Well, I said not in a bad way. At least not for me in a bad way. I mean, I don't give a fuck." But like you definitely like for some reason when you have a neck tattoo, people are like, "Oh shit!" Like they they have like a second pause like thing. Like, oh god, this guy doesn't even care about his life, you know. Meanwhile, I'm like, "Let's see." Why is it that way with a neck tattoo? But I see people with like the tattoo above their eyebrows, and I'm like, "Eh, I could probably take them." I don't know. I also think that it's just like whatever. Because I was I was talking to some guy last night out that had like his entire face tattooed. He had a bunch of stuff. is like this style but he was like also completely sober like he didn't drink he didn't do anything and he and it was like such a weird con- like you ex- there's an expectation that comes with a, a look i think that uh i'm uh always trying to to buck and i i enjoy when people are like yeah i'm sober and i love jesus and i'm like get away from me uh but i'm like <laughs> but i appreciate it you know whatever subverting what expectations <laughs> did, did we are we recording already yeah yeah no, just like, yeah <laughs> we can edit everything it's all in post <laughs> this is all in post we're recording this in post is this is all post how how much edited. hollywood hollywood guys exactly. hollywood <laughs> exactly hollywood well talk for a second about your book i picked up um yeah. uh, left hand ba- or uh, death packs and left hand paths can you guys yeah. see that it's backward probably so pretend it's the other direction right it's right it's the right way on my screen oh shit am i living yeah. in a mirror 
<laughs> I think it's I think Zoom mirrors you like, uh, you know, because oh, no. it's like got that mirror technology because you even your your shirt is, is looks correct to me. Oh, damn. I think mine's just wrong. But it's one of the coolest books I read this year. Like I went in. I oh, honestly, thanks so much, dude. I had like never read any of your work before. And that's why I went around to like every table I could and bought at least one of everyone's books because that's mm-hmm. how I find cool new shit. Yeah, yeah. And I found a trend too. like I ended up getting like half the books I bought were Grindhouse Press. I was like, mm-hmm. holy shit, anything by this company must be amazing. So for the last month and a half, two months since AuthorCon, I've read seriously 37 books because nice. I, think I couldn't get enough of it. And you stand out. You get your own style, and I fucking love it. Oh, thank you so much, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah, Death Packs and Left Hand Pass is actually my first Grindhouse Press book. So that's even more of like a, like a, I don't know, like a touchstone for me in some way because Carrie, um, a.k.a. C.V. Hunt, had just taken over the press um, and I was in that first crop of books that she published when she took over. And I was like, oh shit. It was like a super big, <laughs> like I, it was a huge, like accomplishment for me. Like I felt like awesome. And then like, you know, Anderson Prunty, you know, Andy is one of my favorite authors as well. And when she was like, okay, so Andy's going to be editing this. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, it's, but, uh, but it was all good. And now like, you know, we're very good friends with them, but they, uh, consistently, like she does a great job of curating that press and, uh, it's, uh, yeah, she, she really does put out good, really great, oh, yeah. great things. Andy was an awesome guy too. Like I met him having not known any of his work. And maybe that was the reason the conversation went so well. Cause we were just yeah. t- talking back and forth about horror movies and stuff. And afterwards like, wait a second, you've got like 20 some books. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. And I went no. and brought, I bought one. I forget. It was, um, I think it was neon dies at dawn. Is that what it's yeah. called? Mm-hmm. And God damn, that was a short book, but it was effective. And that's what I love about his writing and yours is you guys do a lot with like a little bit of space. Like that uh, is dude, the mark of a good writer. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. He's, he's like, like I said, he's one of my favorites. So you got to read more of Andy. Like this town needs a monster. Sociopaths in love is one of my favorite books of like all time, but it's definitely of his. And I'm, See Sociopaths in love. Like that's when I remember going on Amazon, I think it was like five years ago or so. I saw the cover and that was always one I wanted to pick up. Just never did. But yeah. now I've read uh, neon dies at dawn. Um, Morning is dead. And I'm reading another one right now. I have like 20 of them on my Kindle because I was all mech like, okay, everything by him. Bye, yeah. bye, bye. Dude, yeah, yeah, definitely can't say enough good things about, about Andy. Definitely so. And Carrie as well. Shit. I mean, I've got the fucking ritualistic human sacrifice tattoo on my oh, chest sweet. right there. So that was a damn good book. I love that one. Dude, so good. So good. And I've got like my like German edition and my other hardback edition and my ba ba ba. You know, it's like uh, great stuff. Oh, yeah. So today we're talking about uh, 1987's The Gate. You said it's one of your favorite movies, right? Well, yeah, you, you know, you uh, beforehand, you, you were like, well, what's your favorite horror movie? And <clears throat> I, I know like a lot of times people can be, well, you know, it depends on what you want to mean to be, but for me, it always definitively comes back to that one. Because as I was saying earlier, like, I, I was like, you know, having a little fun saying, I'm really a giant pussy, but like, I really... <laughs> am a giant pussy and definitely was a giant pussy as a kid like i was scared of everything i saw the first like nightmare on elm street the first one like i couldn't sleep for like two months after that like i seriously had to like like have cassette recordings of like the golden girls to fall asleep to because (laughs) i i was so terrified i mean we're talking like gp level like in a big bad way and i I don't i I think the arthur could take freddy krueger 
I don't know, man. You know, it, it gets dark in your head sometimes when B. Arthur is involved. Uh, but like, Freddy Krueger aside. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, so I was scared of like a lot of horror stuff. And I think that's part of what like, you know, makes me kind of like not gravitate toward it like throughout my life. But The Gate was one of those movies that when I was a kid and I watched it, you know, I could watch it all the way through without like necessarily freaking out. But But just I was so... Um, it really captured my imagination because it's like rock and roll, the devil. I mean, right there, that's like peanut butter and chocolate. You, oh, know, yeah. you throw those in a movie, open in a portal to hell, you know, like it's, it had everything at the time that just clicked with me. It like just checked all the boxes in my head and it was a scary ass movie, at least as a kid, you know? So that, yeah. So I picked the gate. And it really held up for a while, too, because I was a 90s kid. I was born in 89, so I didn't see that movie till I was, like, seven or eight. And I remember it scared the shit out of me the first time. Like, I just rewatched it today because I had no idea what it was at first. Then that line, you've been bad. I was oh, like, dude, oh, so shit, many, it's that movie. So many classic things. Do we want to set it up for, like, the listeners? Yeah, let me, give a, let me get the premise real fast just because some people might not have seen it. <clears throat> when Al and Glenn's parents leave town for the weekend al uses the opportunity to throw a party while little brother glenn and his friend terry decide to explore a hole left by tree removal service in the backyard when unexplainable phenomena begin occurring terry with the help of his extensive metal loving friend comes to the conclusion that he and glenn have accidentally opened a gateway to hell and that like even doesn't tell you because how they open the gateway to hell is by playing the the record backwards so like he has this record, his buddy, and they play it backwards and that like opens the portal to hell in the backyard. And at that same time, you have like the PMRCs going on and like the whole like satanic panic. So it, it really did kind of mirror what was actually happening. Um, shut up, dog. Um, yeah, <laughs> he loves they, the movie. I know, I know. They like, they love the gate as well, uh, especially because <laughs> the dog comes back. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, they play the record backwards. It's got that rock and roll metal element. They think that, you know, they're kids like home alone type of thing. Um, and it has so many of these great moments like that line you said. Um, you know, another great thing is like one of the ghouls or whatever falls backwards and explodes into a bunch of tiny claymation versions of him. Oh, yeah. um, but for me also, there's a scene that really, really always sticks with me that's kind of towards in the, like the third act towards the end like where the main guy like the kid looks at his hand and he has that eyeball in his hand oh yeah that stabs was it weird. with the pencil um i man that is just tattooed on my brain so i actually have this tattoo of under my arm oh shit uh, of an, a hand with an eyeball like that was inspired by that movie that was like one of the first tattoos that this artist that works on me a lot gave me so like see this this movie goes deep for me man you know i told you we're we're gonna we're gonna go deep we're gonna like find ourselves in this episode. about to go balls deep in the gate <laughs> dude we are shaft all the way like and uh yeah, yeah when, so. as soon as i appeared in his hand the first thought i had maybe this says a lot about me was wow puberty is gonna be weird for that kid god damn dude <laughs> could you imagine like because then i wonder like well what does that i see so <laughs> does it see things like he holds it up and like he has a picture in his head of what that eye hand is seeing because then if it is just seeing himself stroking his dick <laughs> that's like a whole weird level of of horniness that that kid's like working on 
that's going to set his sexual bar so high from the start that it's going to be really hard for him <laughs> to come. This is going to ruin sex for that kid. He's, he's just going to be like, I've got to be watching my eye with my, I've got to look me in the eye so I can finish. Own, I have to rub my own dick in my eye before I can, you know, yeah. And it's get an eyeful every ball. time. Yeah. That, but that, the, the movie has nothing to do with jerking off with your eye hand. No. Unless no. you want to. It too. It's subtext, purely subtext. Dude, that movie fucking freaked me out as a kid. I think it was it was a fantasy horror, and I was surprised it was only PG thirteen because PG thirteen movies now just aren't the same as they were then. Not uh, at all. Well, this was those golden days of PG thirteen when you could drop like a fuck or two and show like a half a set of tits. You know, like you'd get some nip in a PG thirteen movie back at the because this came out in nineteen eighty seven, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, the PG-13 back then means something completely different than it does now, which is weird. But yeah, the, those were the golden PG-13 days because you could be like, mom, it's PG-13. And she's like, okay. And then like, you know, <laughs> meanwhile, you're just like wearing out the pause button on that titty flash that you know is coming up. You know? Ruined so many VHSs. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Just that that part is permanently ruined on the tape, you know. Just yeah. and like the language was different too. Like they could say words in PG thirteen movies you can't say in an R rated movie now. Oh like the yeah, things are calling each other. I was like, you can't make this movie now. Not the no, same no, 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 no. Yeah, they they do. They, there's some uh, words that shouldn't be used ever. Uh, but you know that I don't know. I have no excuse for that. But yeah, all I know is that this movie was when you could show some tits in a PG thirteen movie and get away with it. Mm-hmm. and it make like, it more violent like this was this is legitimately scary this is a creepy ass movie this is like uh i think if people haven't watched it at home i highly recommend you watch it um did you know there's have you explored any of the sequels to this movie at all i didn't know there were sequels good just pretend i didn't even say it <laughs> they're bad oh uh, where dude. does it go from there how does it how does the sequel so happen? part two starts with the metal kid the glass kid with the glasses with the record and shit and it kind of does some lazy oh like it set the premise like starts really lazily like oh we oops we did it again like type of thing like honey we blew up the kids and uh yeah it's very lazy and then it was just it just it's only him he's like the only returning cast member and they try to take some weird turn with it and it just sucks it's just it just limps along and you just want to like put a bullet in its brain halfway through sequels um, and remakes man terrible some of them can be good but not this one this sequel was not good um i think all. sequels up until about part four or five usually are pretty okay but after part five they almost always go downhill i mean i guess you know but you, you have the best friday the 13th movie ever part five with roy so you could you could say that the franchise really started to take hold, like, you know, find itself after part five, if you wanted to. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. <laughs> I'm not. I'm a Roy's boy, dude. Um, that was I, the one I, I can't remember part five very well because I always part, skip it because it doesn't part, have Jason. Oh, go. All right, dude. This interview is over. But no. <laughs> No, that's why it's so rad. It's Roy, you know. It's the guy that's pretending to be Jason the whole time, and dude, uh, his kid got ice just for a candy bar. Oh, dude, yeah, and like, there's so many great moments in that movie, but uh, yeah, and like, Jay, like I have like like so Chris, like Christopher Triana and I, shouts out, uh, fellow author, 
also like have a, a certain affinity for Roy. We call ourselves the Roy's boys. Um, <laughs> Do you guys have, have shirts? Like, no, we have masks. We have the the Jace the the Roy mask because it's got the, the blue, blue and the thing facing down. Um, there's a couple of cosplayers that actually like that I see regularly that do Roy that I've taken a bunch of pictures with like every time I see them because I'm like Roy we we saw Roy one time in North Carolina this guy doing this badass cosplay of Roy and you would have thought that Triana and I saw like the Beatles come down the thing like I was talking to somebody and Chris was like it's Roy it's Roy and I was like ah! like ran out there and we're like Roy 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 <laughs> Just like um, so began Roy Mania. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So people who don't know that part five, there is no Jason is not is not in that movie. He's like spoilers, kind of at the beginning of the movie, I guess. But the Jason in there is is Roy, who is pretending to be Jason. Yeah, it's like forty years old. They can yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, you just weren't going to see it. (laughs) Yeah. So like, absolutely, you should. Um, But yeah, it's it's just like awesome it's just so awesome roy is the best i have like the roy nika figure like i'm like seriously like a freak about it uh i have like a special pop that's roy that's like mislabeled as jason Voorhees, uh which makes me mad every time i look at it mm-hmm. uh but no that like yeah he's uh he's to be treasured i think that's pretty cool he got that role because he should have been roy he got the one time that it wasn't jason i mean i like how they did that in that movie i could one that's one good thing i could say about that movie is it took you by surprise and it wasn't the same person as the last four three movies i mean i would say that's one of many good things you could say about the movie but i'll have to rewatch it i'll have to rewatch it i'll give i'll give it another chance in, in an honest honestly it does have like the most kills of any friday the 13th movie and a bunch of badass kills like one like uh like I have the Nika figure and it comes with so many accessories because he uses so many different like weapons. But one of them, like these kids are like broken down on the side of the road and they're punk ass kids. So of course Roy's got to like regulate, but he sticks um, a lit road flare in this kid's mouth to kill him. Ooh. Like, and it's so, it's such an awesome kill, but he came with the road flare. So I have him like posed holding the road flare. Um pretty good i'm just saying you know go i guess it's pretty cool too because in that one the stakes are personal he's not just you know back from the dead for vengeance for whatever else happened in the previous three movies it's no you killed my kid i'm gonna fucking kill you all yeah but you know what his kid really had it because he's annoying Mm. such an annoying piece of shit kid not as annoying as shelly in part three though eating chocolate bothering everybody he had it how coming. dare you how dare you had it coming <laughs> and I, but the thing at the end spoiler alert also is when like it is like revealed revealed that like it was roy the whole time and the sheriff like has his wallet and they're going through the pictures and he has a picture of his son but his son like from the like that time in the movie it's like why is this son, why is there a picture of his son at like this age and then a picture of himself because it's like it turns out it was Roy all along, and it's a picture of himself in his wallet as like the sheriff is like turning the pictures. Magical. Since then, I've it's always part of the character. It shows the picture. Workings. Kept a picture of myself in my wallet ever since. And why you, like, you, you do know, the one same. day, Roy? One day you will wear a hockey mask and kill children. I suggest you do the same, dude. Keep a picture of yourself in your wallet. You never know. Tony Robbins says it's good for you. you know, does he? I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't know, know either. <laughs> One thing I liked about the gate too was the humor. And I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but the scene where the guy is driving the dead dog around his car, bring it opens the door and it falls out. Yeah. 
was like, it was like to... a slapstick, but it was funny exactly. as well. Yeah, they put that slapstick uhness in there. And I think that's almost to try to like downplay the like, uh, we killed a dog. Here's a dog. But don't worry, it's funny. The dog comes back at the end. Like, you know. but yeah, they they uh it's supposed to be a kids' horror movie, but it's way too scary, I think. Like for whatever they were aiming at. Unless, like, I don't know, but probably everybody was way more um not a pussy than me like way more less pussy <laughs> maybe at the time and i was just like oh i don't know um and everyone else was like this stupid Bleh. you know they're jerking off a sandpaper at that point <laughs> <laughs> gotta do me, metal man me i'm <laughs> like i'm still stealing like little fucking drops of my mom's oil of olay putting it on my pee-pee tip thinking it feels nice you know <laughs> where i'm at at this point <laughs> but anyway the gate what a great movie <laughs> it was pretty good i think each time we talk about the gate we still go right back to the weird stuff <laughs> hey you want this is a isn't this what you brought me on here for the weird this is stuff? what i brought you on for it is uh, yeah <laughs> um no but yeah but the gate was like again a, a, one of those movies any any horror movie that that weaves like rock and roll into it i immediately will have like a soft spot for like a, we'll just be like okay and I think this is like one of the things that created that, but also just like being like super into music and, and playing music, but just anything that has like a rock band element, no matter how cheesy or stupid, like it, I just have to watch it and uh, appreciate it in, in, in certain ways. Some are better than others, dude, but like anything that involves a, a music or a band or rock and roll in a horror movie, I'm just a sucker for. Did you read uh, Grady Hendrix's book? Uh, Grady Hendrix's book. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Sold Our Souls. I, I haven't read that one, but I love Grady Hendrix's stuff. I'm actually almost done with uh, the Final Girl. Uh, what's that one called? Uh, Final Girl Support Group? Yes, I'm almost done with that one. There were a but, couple uh, of Final Girl books that year, which had me curious. I was like, I don't know which one he wrote because there were three books that had Final Girl in the title that year. Yeah, his was the final girl support group. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's great. I, I love Grady's stuff. Um, everything that I've read so far. Have not read that one, though. Is it? Is it it cool was really good. Like, he yeah. was telling me about it because when I went to his table at AuthorCon, we were talking for like five minutes about movies and we're talking about Peacemaker because you like that show. I was like, there's yeah, yeah. no way you haven't seen the show. And I asked him about this book because I had never heard of it. He goes, let me give you a, let me give you a tip. If you ever think about writing a book about rock and roll and horror, don't do it. Nobody wants it. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I was told nobody wants this book. Now I, I read it and I was like, why wouldn't anybody ever want to read this? It's fucking amazing. It was really good. Oh that, yeah, dude. I've been told so like uh, also like things like that. Like no, no, no one wants the, no one don't put this in the book. Don't put this, this element in the book. It's just doesn't sell or it doesn't work, but fuck everybody. Those are um, things I want to read usually. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, uh, and Grady rules. Um, so i want to read his new book uh paperbacks from hell i heard it was really good paperback <clears throat> yeah that's like more of like a, a his like a non-fiction like him cat like kind of going cataloging it was like yeah, his, did you, uh, did you see the one. did you get to see the presentation um i had tickets but after that day i was just so dead tired i was like i, I really can't know and i yeah. missed out because i heard it was fun I didn't go see it that night, but um, he was at Bizarro Con, um, of like a 2018, I think, like the last one that they had, and uh, 
he did the presentation there. And I also actually missed most of it or whatever because I was like, what's happening now? Like there was like five of us in the, the hostel drinking beer and talking and forgot. Uh, but I got to see like the last half of it. And it was a pretty it's pretty cool, interesting presentation. Um, and he's got all those books like re-released like on his publishing line or whatever. Like, you know, have you seen those like the paper? I did not know that. Yeah, because I, I got one of them. Um, damn it. I don't fucking forget what, which one I bought. But all those those old those pulpy, you know, horror paperbacks that he, he talks about in paperbacks from hell. A lot of them, they like bought the right or you know contacted the author and re release them under this paperbacks from hell or whatever he calls it i don't know um but he, but it's cool because he has like a thing at the beginning that talks about how they talked to the author to get the thing and if they were into like having it put out what else they did some of these people are like a lot of just like one and done just you know they put out this fucking horror book it was at the grocery store checkout line for a while and then they're like you know they were just on to the next you know mm -hmm. and, and then the next thing you know they're spit out the bottom of the porno industry so uh as it goes as it goes yeah i can't remember which one i got i think it's called stage fright or something it's got like a skeleton jumping with like a keytar on the cover and it's one of those classic ones that because you know he talks about it that those covers just sold the books and mm -hmm. mo it, it, i mean probably all of the time those covers had nothing to do like with the, there's no dance there's no jumping skeleton playing a guitar in this book you know there's not even like an element that would provide a, a space for that to happen but it's like pretty fucking cool you know sold me that's why i bought that one so you know it works that's how uh roger corman sold movies wasn't it where he just made the posters first and went yeah. in and pitched them yeah i think a, a couple of the direct got like gonzo directors like that did that um what's his name the guy that did like hard ticket to Hawaii, uh, um, Andy, uh, Sidaris, uh, that's his name. Like, uh, I think he did that too, where he just had like the posters for things. I don't know. I'm so I'm see, so you got me <laughs> like, uh, so the gate has a PG 13. Um, no, I wonder what got it the PG 13. Like if it was just the words and stuff, or if it was the monsters, like what got it from PG to PG 13. Cause it's scary. It's pretty scary. Pretty scary. They, like they the stakes were real. They have some fucks in there. Then the kids say fuck. A couple I think times. I missed the fucks. <clears throat> I never missed the fucks, dude. The movie had a lot of fucks to give, but I missed all of them. Maybe. Maybe they don't say fuck. I don't know. I have to go back and consult my uh, dream journal. <laughs> it was a good one too. Like rewatching that movie just brought back so many childhood moments of being scared shitless in movies like that. Like, no. they don't make kids' movies like that anymore, like you said. Like, the movie, uh, the, the stakes were real for the kids. There was present danger. There was no moment of, you know, plot armor for the kids. They, they were fucked because they, like, yep. not only, like, possibly, like, destroyed the world by opening this this portal, but, like, mom and dad are going to be home soon, too. Jeez, we got to make sure they don't know we had a party. Like, it's it's got that kind of, like, too. Like, mom and dad are coming home, too, so those stakes are even, like more important to them than the fact that like well we might have just unleashed uh, unholy terror upon the entire world mm -hmm. uh, but mom and dad are gonna be so mad we killed the dog <laughs> why we put him in the hole we put him then that's the thing they bury the dog in the portal hole the hell hole why oh already there half the work was done 
I guess so. You're right. I guess so. Kids are efficient. Was there a movie like like this that you saw like around that time? Because you know, we we're saying like, you know, we're we're different, you know, different eras here. So I saw this when I was a kid when it came out and you saw it a little bit later. But was there another movie like that when you, you know, that you were kind of like, oh, shit. That you go uh, I think to? there was that movie and there was the second child's play. Those are the two movies that I remember loving as a kid because they're really scary to me. And, you know, maybe now they're not quite as scary, but they held up for quite a while. They're good. I love the child's play movies. Those yeah. are fun. People are always like, you know, what pisses me off about that is people are like, why don't they just kick Chucky? He's a dolly, weighs like two pounds. I'm like, they explain in the movie he has, you know, his human side strength, but he's just that size. He is a demon possessed thing. And now, and so the remake Child's Play where he's just like an AI gone wrong type of thing and he's not mm-hmm. um, a possessed deal. Like I, I put off watching that for a while because I was like, oh, come on. I was lucky the, enough, like it I took just, away the fucking guy, the, the whole yeah. thing. Like he's a, you know, he's like the serial killer's soul, isn't that what the hell? Um, but I actually enjoyed it. Probably, probably they probably could have called that not Child's Play and just had like, like a, a Black Mirror episode. It, it, yeah, they could have just had like a different toy, and, and it didn't have to be a Child's Play movie. It kind of feels like one of those things where they're like, this script, that's good. Like you know what, put Chucky mm-hmm. in it. We'll call it Child's Play. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it might have. It, it feels like one of those things, but I thought it was kind of cool. I was like, "All right, I, I'll give you this. It works." You know, from a, a point of view of just me watching this movie. Well, like about that is like you kind of get the best of both worlds because you got a new Child's Play movie that wasn't quite what you wanted, but you also got a Chucky TV show. I think what mm-hmm. was it two years later, which was mm-hmm. phenomenal. Like if you haven't seen the Child's Play TV show or Chucky, it's called. Go watch yeah. it. It's everything I wanted. Yeah, it's streaming. I believe it's on Paramount. Yeah, I think to stream. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because I I've actually gotten no Alex Vincent uh, on the on the road. Um, That's his name, right? The kid, the guy that plays the kid. And uh, he's a cool ass dude. And he was like, yeah, dude, definitely check out the series. You're going to be you're going to be surprised. And I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And I was like, oh, shit, it's pretty good. Like the great um, thing about the series is like it's a standalone, but it also ties all the movies together too. Like yeah. it brings back the babysitter, you know, the sister character from part two. It ties into Cult of Chucky. It ties into everything that's happened so far, and still yeah. it's its own thing. And uh, he has weed coming out too. What is it? Some company. He has a weed coming out. Oh shit! That's Branching like out. Good guy, like branded type of weed. So their tag cool. has to be want to play. Well, it's interesting because I talked to him about it and I was like, so, because he, he can't, you like, he can't outwardly, like, put, like, Chucky on there or Child's Play, you know, because those licenses or whatever. So, uh, but he said, like, he showed me the packages because, you know, like, you buy some, sometimes when you buy weed at a dispensary, it comes in, like, those bag type of things and it looks like the good guy doll box. But it's, it's just cool. it, the window is just is clear, so you see just all the buds inside of it. Um, and you check the back of it, and the batteries aren't there. The weed's talking to you on its own. You're really, really high. Yeah, this thing's set to evil. <laughs> it's a new level of THC beyond twenty yeah, percent. Exactly. Oh man, I've got to get the ones over twenty percent, dude. That's just just where I'm at at this point. Like, I smoked weed for a while. Like, I don't do it anymore because it interferes with, like, my antidepressants. Like, I don't know if anyone else has that happen. But they told me, like, hey, you know, it probably is a good idea to do both these at the same time. So I stopped. 
Uh-huh. But like when I was smoking, like I, even like 10% was too much for me. Like I am a total pussy when it comes to weed. I tried dab once off a dare and I was fucked. Like I was glued to that chair for the next 12 <laughs> hours. Um, yeah, no, it's not for everybody. It affects everyone differently. Oh, yeah. I, I too, I too take a, a, a cocktail of antidepressants um, and, and that stuff. And I talk about this kind of stuff on my podcast too. So it's not like. No, what's your podcast? Plug it. Taboo. Oh, I have a po- I have a couple podcasts. Uh, one every Monday that comes out called John Wayne Lied to You, uh, which is the stories from my life. So I will, um, you know, I open it up. I just kind of like download every like, hey, here's what's going on this week. Like, this is what I did. Like, da 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 da. Um, I do a three card tarot reading on myself, and then like just talk about talk about it, but generalize it. Like, just the things that are going on. Um, and like, I have like a, a, a hotline you can call the Corey hotline where people can leave messages for me and then we'll play those and I'll, I'll talk about them and then, uh, I'll tell a story and a lot, like if I've been at a con, which is pretty much all the time, it's, it's a recap of that convention. Um, and I'll just talk about the shit that happened or whatever, just kind of recap the con. Uh, but otherwise it's just stories from like all as points of my life, like you know, I'm on the road constantly, just weird road stories or just like stories when I was a kid that I remember. I'll be like, oh, yeah, this time. And uh, yeah, so storytelling. And then I do one with Christopher Triana as well. We talked about earlier um, on Thursdays. It's called Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. <laughs> and uh, it's it's got a lot of we just like uh, it's a horror, you know, based conversational podcast. We have guests sometimes because we'll go through different uh, uh you know, we'll set up different themes for like a month or like the summer we did summer of slashers and we would uh, have a different uh, horror author on and we would all watch an obscure slasher uh, and then talk about, talk about it on that podcast. Like, did you guys cover uh, the mutilator? We did with the, yeah, we did. Yeah. That was one. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I watched it and I was disappointed. Like I I think we were all disappointed. The cover looks badass. Yeah, the cover sold it for me. It was just like the books. Like I saw the cover, I was like, "This has to be an awesome movie." Then I watched it, and I was like, "When does it start?" It yeah, like uh, that was one what we did. Like so, you yeah, so you can go back. Like we, it's also on YouTube and everything else. So there's a video, but yeah, we'll just have a different author on, and we'll talk. I forget who we talked about, who we talked to about that one. Yeah, but then we do other things like urban legends. We just talk about like horror stuff and writing. Sometimes we do like you know shit about how we do stuff in writing and then i have a patreon and uh, i have a podcast on that called the uh, awesome dude for life boner bonus podcast and that's where i that's where i talk to people boner bonus yeah exactly i got a boner bonus uh i talk to people that i meet like on the road like so other uh, like artists of like all kind all disciplines you know so yes of course other writers but then there's you know actors singers other musicians painters you know models all kind i've had all kinds of fucking people on so i have over 100 episodes of that on Damn. too so like any any tier that you join on my patreon patreon.com slash john wayne is dead uh gets you access to all those you know to any tier gets you access to the podcast so Sweet. Um, that's kind of fun uh, going backward a little bit let's talk about your writing how did you get into writing and how have you evolved as a writer like what's been challenging for you and what have you overcome as a writer because right now i've read your book and i was immediately hooked like i am a fan <laughs> well i mean thank you so much i definitely very much appreciate that um i writing was like one of the few things that i was 
good good at you know like even as a kid um you know people ask me like how long have you been writing like at the table and i'm like oh my life <laughs> and in a sense i have been but like i always i loved to read uh, as a kid and i just loved to like make up stories so you know that was just kind of one of the things i did i uh got into like music and then i was like fuck you i'm gonna be a rock star you know and i kind of like rejected everything else that i did or was good at i went to school um i went my my mom who's my biggest fan shouts out mom i'm sure she'll listen to this um maza was like you're going to college and i don't care and i was like oh i don't care either and she was like well i don't care and i was like good i don't care and, and then <laughs> that went on for a while next thing you know she's got me filling applications so i went to school and i was just lost i didn't know what the fuck i was i wanted to do that's until, college yeah but until like this one dude came in this guy and he was uh uh, to one of my English classes and he was like hey we're having a creative writing track uh you now you can major in and I'm a I'm an I'm an author my name is Paul Ruffin I'm you know I teach the creative writing classes and they had a publishing house on campus like a it's called the Texas Review Press it's still there because I, I went to school at Sam Houston State University eat them up cats me yeah Huntsville Texas where the prisons <laughs> are. We, we put people to death did they uh, pay for that advertisement uh it, don't Am I allowed to answer that? No, sorry, my lawyer's <laughs> no. No, that's where I went to school, and uh, yeah. So Paul Ruffin, rest in power. He's since passed, but he was like the editor in chief of that press, and like they st they put like excellent work out still, like st still. So I just got up. Like he left, and he's like, "All right, if you want to, like you can talk to your counselor, or whatever." I just got up from that class and left, and changed my major to that, so I could just do creative writing, and I worked in that publishing house because part of your major you had to intern for a semester so i did it for a semester and they're like hey guess what we want you to stay on for another semester and we'll give you like whatever credit you need and i was like you got it toots um <laughs> so i did that and then when i actually graduated they hired me to stay on at the press for a three-month like contract like contractual thing so i got to see like this inside of like how a, a small press works like the slush pie like i was putting together i was reading blue line for for books editing stuff and and like doing table of contents and putting that kind of stuff together and learning all of that stuff at the same time trying to sharpen my craft as a writer like i i just i would write all the time and i'd write all these stories but they were just weird just weird stories you know and and not necessarily horror not necessarily sci-fi just weird shit and i didn't know I, I didn't know the first thing about like well what do i do with this how do i do this one of the um um the other editors that was just under the the main editor paul ruffin um she 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 was like hey i want to try to help you like here's some books like that, like that you can find places to submit and like trying to teach me like how what you do with your your stuff or <clears throat> but i was still like man i don't know where the fuck this goes i just did it but i was still doing it and writing and then i was still like -a -a -a, i'm gonna be a rock star you know <laughs> playing playing music and and uh i but i still like i wouldn't i would always just keep writing i never stopped writing you know it never was something that i was like you know i just i just kept writing stuff all the time and a lot of it is stuff that you know you will never no one will ever see these seals these files are permanently sealed but i was like i i posted uh 
actually like a, on like my website back, back, back in the day, like on my blog for my band, like a short story I wrote. And I ran into some guy like in the mall that I went to high school with. And he's like, Hey man, I read your story on your website. And I was like, what? I didn't think anybody went to our website. And he was like, uh, dude, did you read, do you read Chuck Polinick? And I was like, who? He's like, Chuck Polinick, you, you, you would love, like, that's, they reminded me of, check him out. So I was like, okay. Um, and that day I went and bought like Invisible Monsters. And then like, I was like, oh, Fight Club. Okay. So he, okay. Now I oh, know like, what he I think wrote. he would hate you for saying, oh, the Fight Club guy. No, absolutely would. But, but that's, <laughs> but, but that's even today how you can identify yeah. him. Like the same thing with Brad Easton Ellis. You can say like, you know, American Psycho. And they're like, oh, oh he man. ran that man. It's um, funny, like, both those guys have written such better books than the ones they're known for, like Chuck Palahniuk, Invisible Monsters, Lullaby, um, what was it, uh, Pygmy, all really good books, and American Psycho was not Brady Sinellis' best, like Glamorama it, and uh, Lunar Glamorama Park. rules, dude. I love fucking Brady Sinellis and Chuck Palahniuk. Um, Lullaby is in my top five favorite books. I think if I had that power, it'd be it'd be over for everybody. That book was just jarring. Um, like, I recommended but, it to people along with Haunted, and they gave it back to me saying, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, Dude, okay, not for you. Yeah, and and like so that but but I read I started reading Chuck Polinick and I was like, uh, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, you know, this is this is like I like how what he does. And then it, you know, on Amazon it's like if you like this, you like this asshole and you're like, All right. Um, but it was like Call me an asshole Amazon. Yeah, I don't know why. Seriously, I'll keep doing it. Aggressive I, I think I bring it on myself. Um but uh it said, if you like Chuck Palahniuk, you'll like Jeremy Robert Johnson. And I was like, who's Jeremy Robert Johnson? So like, you know, you just get down an Amazon hole and I clicked on him, like reading, like looking at his stuff. And he had this book called Angel Dust Apocalypse. And I was like, all right, I'll check this out. And I ordered it. And when I got that book and read it, I was like, that was like the aha moment. You know, people talk about or just clicks. I was like, this, this is where the shit I write goes. This is like, this is. I see like now, like, so I started kind of scratching the surface more and looking like finding these small presses that, that put out stuff. And that's how I discovered like bizarro fiction. And I was like, okay, this is, this is it. This is like what I do. And then I started researching that and reading all the authors and reading all the stuff from different presses and just keeping like doing my shit. And I, and I started learning like how you submit. Like, I didn't even know, like, what, what do you do? You know, walk into like, you know downtown you know nbc office and tell them i got the goods and slam my fucking script on the you know i don't know you're like what do i do um I've but heard, i hear that's how it's done in hollywood you just show well, up and be like I'm, i've arrived and they're oh, like you are weird uh but yeah no so i i, I started learning I, I like i went to bizarro con in, in in portland um and and got to meet these people and then i was like Oh, okay. I it, it all kind of started to click, and and I started to see how how this could happen, how this all works. Um, so then I started to submit stuff, and uh, I keep like I, I I tell this a lot of people. I keep a um a spreadsheet of all my submissions, like since I started, and you know it's just like what it is, where I sent it to, the date, you know, all that shit. But it's like accept or reject, and they're like. There's like literally like so many lines. They're just like except where you're like, 
I think that other accept was a mistake. Like, you know, like you went, but, but it starts, started to kind of slowly happen. And I just kept working and working. And I, you know, I have, I, I, I played in bands for over 20 years as well. So I'm always still, you know, I was always doing that. And it was like, this kind of just translated so easily for me to be like, I, I know now like where this goes, I, I'm honing this craft, but it, you know, I'm also like all about like, let's get out there and promote this shit. You know, I'm, I'm go, go, go all the time, but that's kind of how I got into it and just started and just kept going and going. And, you know, now I, I haven't had a day job in two and a half years now. Yeah, man, it's got to feel good. So um, it does, but it's a, it's a lot of work. And I tell people that, and I'm not like being like, oh, look at me, everybody. No, I mean, it's, it's not. <laughs> Do you that fucking at hate all. when people are like, oh, you're a writer. So you just sit there with your uh, half glass of whiskey with a candle lit and just write and let it flow. Yeah. You're like, no, it's I, not, that's not writing. No. Like, yeah, whatever you say, dude. Like, are you going to buy a book or not? Move on. Yeah. Like, no, I actually don't read. Okay. Get, get the fuck out. Um, but you speak sign language. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I don't, that just, I just kept, it, 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 it does feel good. It's a lot of work though. I won't, I mean, I'm not like trying to bury the lead of like, well, now I made it and I'm on fuck mountain, you know, with, <laughs> with lots of money and many beautiful women. Um, you know, maybe so, but all I do is work. I work a lot and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I grind I see on your Facebook. Like you're always doing something like every day. I'm like, where's John Wayne at today? always 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 but i'm also kind of built like that like the road is hard um and that's not just a tenacious d song uh but i've been told by different people like dude you're built for the road you you know it's not for everybody it, it's it's tough um but i do love it but it still is hard for me too but i also know like what i want i know what success looks like for me and what that what the work I need to put in to achieve that success and maintain it and then keep it going. So I'm always like, just kind of looking at it like, like that. Um, and just like, well, I know, I know what it takes. I got to do this work, the work, the work, the work, the work. Um, now speaking of the work, like what is a process like for you from concept to distribution? Like how many uh, drafts do you typically do for your work? um you know i'm like a one and done i don't even read it i just no i'm joking what, what <laughs> but so you motherfucker what an asshole uh why <laughs> no 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 um i uh i always so i write every day and i will read before i start writing for that day to like today i'll read everything that i wrote yesterday and do any edits or whatever on that um that portion of it uh, or punch up, whatever the fuck, or just like, you know, do the revisions, all that stuff. And then I'll sit and write. Um, I'm not an outliner. I, I don't, um, I don't really do out. Do you do out outlines when you approach like a, a larger, it, it takes all the fun of it for me. Like if I do an outline, I get less interested in my story. Cause I'm like, now I know where it's going to go. Whereas if I just do the first draft, let it happen. Second draft, I can go back and fix it if I need to. Yeah, I'm I'm all about like a a seat of my pants, like pantser type writer. Just like I just go, I'll get an idea and start. I'll take notes along the way, you know, and like mm -hmm. whatever. I'll be like, oh shit, you know what? This guy should blah blah blah, and this should do blah blah blah. And I'll just take notes in my phone if I'm like walking the dog or whatever, just like that. But I don't ever like. And then at this point, I've done different outline techniques just to try them. 
Um, but it just didn't work for me. It's just not mm. my thing. So I don't, I don't like to outline. I just like to go. Um, but with that also, like I find like, sometimes I'll be like, what the fuck is this about? What am I writing about again? <laughs> like, and then like some one thing will click and you're like, Oh, that's what it was the whole time. You know, I like those uh, discovery moments too. Like when you're like, oh, okay, great. it's almost like I planned this, but I didn't. But if people yeah. ask me, I definitely planned this. Definitely planned this. Definitely. Chef's kiss. It is. Yeah. But yeah, no, I just, I love, I love to write. Um, and so I, I, and I love to discover where it's going as well. Like you said, and then there's been a lot of like, dude, and, and Triana and I talk about this on our podcast as well. Another shameless plug sometimes about writing, like she dropped that I, name, just throw it away. Yeah, no, but there's enough talk of Triana on this, but I'm on the podcast. today. <laughs> it is on time, but uh, no, just like sometimes and like, and you can probably speak to this too, as a writer, you know, you'll get like so far into something and then just, that this doesn't work. I'm done. This this is trash. Like, I I have I like a, I have a splatter western that comes out from Death's Head in uh like August September right, and uh, I I initially did not want to write a splatter western because I was like ah, I'm John Wayne. I live in Texas. The, why <laughs> do I just those? fuck myself? Like a hat on a hat. Um, but then I got really into like into it and and I wrote this one, but. Uh, and I've talked about this before. I threw, I started and threw away three times up to like, got up to 30,000 words. And was like, this is no, no. And just, and what, like the second time I went back and was like, okay, this character does this and this and this. The third time I took those characters, like different characters and tried to make them the main characters and just got, and I was like, this just fucking is not happening. And I started all of, so what I actually have has nothing to do with any of those mm -hmm. starts. That Those I are the worst buy. days, too. But no, I mean, honestly, like, dude, you have to do that to get to the good shit. So it's just kind of like, I know it sucks, but it's still at the same time. Like, so think about it like this. Like, if you're trying to do something like learn an instrument or working out, like these, like, or, you know, whatever, these things are not instant gratification things. Neither is writing mm -hmm. is not an instant gratification profession, career hobby whatever it is it is not like that and it's all incremental and it all is a building thing so like playing guitar i played guitar for like over 20 years but i wanted to be like and i still think i suck but i wanted to at one point i was like you know what i need to figure out how to be good at this if i'm going to do it so i started taking private lessons from somebody for a year and i started finding i, I learned how to practice and how to practice correctly and after that, I was like, oh, okay, I get how you do this now. But it's every day. It was every day I got up. I had a metronome. I was like, no, 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 no. You play the uh, arpeggios? Oh, dude. Uh, oh, you got, I got arpeggios coming out your ass, dude. I would do all my <laughs> scales and every key, all like just up and down and then go through this and to go through licks and then do band stuff. And some days you're like, I fucking would rather do anything but this. And you feel like you're slogging through it or whatever, but you don't realize you're still doing it. Like you need that. You need that, that building, like even the shitty stuff. And when it comes to writing, same thing. You could write 30,000 words and have one sentence in there that you're like, you know what? I'm going to pull that out. And, and that's the gold that was worth all of this. But even so, you're still getting better. You're still working on your craft. Even the yep. days that it sucks, you know, even when you don't go on, want, don't want to go out and run around the block, 
you know, and, and wave your hands and do sidekicks for Jesus. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you still do it because it's you're committed to it. It's a part of it. And that's like kind of like the ugly or dirty or like hmm, whatever side that people don't want to look at with things like this, with all kinds of, of art, like music as well. It's not just a like, well, when I'm inspired, uh, it hits me and then I sit down and I grab my guitar and I it doesn't work like that, dude. No. You're not you're not fucking Amadeus or whatever the fuck you think you are, dude. Like you gotta like if this is your craft, man, you gotta work on it and you gotta have that respect for it and and put the time into it whether you want to or not. And mm -hmm. that's but but it but it's easier said than done, and I know that. I say that like knowing that, like I'm, you know, like, yeah, John, what do you think you're so cool? No, first of all, I know I'm so cool, but um, <laughs> it, it's easier said than done. It, you call yourself a pussy, then you call yourself cool. I'm cool as shit, dude. You're you a know, cool pussy. I'm a cool pussy. <laughs> CP, they call me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 what if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, you know Even what I mean. Some people are like, you know, I wish I had time to write. Like, oh, I just. I have a bestseller in my head. I just have to get it down on paper and it's good. I'm like, oh, go or go to hell. I just like for things like that, I'm always just like, well, everybody has time um, for the things they want to do. Mm -hmm. So if you want to write that book, you definitely have time to do it. You're just, you just don't want to. Like how many times in a row can you binge watch Breaking Bad until you just get it down on paper? Yeah, well, it's just, it's that it's, it's, like I said, man, it's not easy. It is because you do want to sit down and like smoke a blunt and watch fucking whatever or play whatever, you know, games and shit like that. But like sitting down and actually doing the work is uh it's tough but rewarding. You always it's all you always feel better after you do it. And I even tell like other like writers that ask me, you know, I'm like, dude, it doesn't even matter if you wrote just write two sentences today. Can you please do that? Write a paragraph. And then let your then you watch your movie, then you do whatever, but just do that one thing and you'll see just and then keep challenging yourself. Start start small. You don't have to like, I'm gonna fucking balls deep. You don't have to like read on writing by Stephen King and think that if you don't crank out, you know, 10 pages a day, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. It, it doesn't start like it all starts small. Like I mean, that's like saying, you know, I'm gonna go to the gym for the very first time. If I don't bench press 315, I will I'm never out. go to the gym again. Exactly. It's like, no, like start small and build. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was lucky enough growing up. Like, like, do you ever heard have you ever heard of uh Darren Shan, the writer? He wrote uh Circuit to Freak. I've heard of him. I don't think I've read that though. Like, I was lucky enough as a kid, he had a blog where every day he would talk about the night before, what he did with his writing, what went well, and what went really shitty. And he would be very honest about it. So I got, like, that inside look from someone as they were a best-selling author and seeing, like, day-to-day, -day, the shit gets hard. And there were, like, days in a row, he'd be like, 8,000 words last night, none of them very good, but I got 8,000 words. You know, like, today, wrote that's a lot in a fucking day jesus christ yeah and he would be like you know it was all shit he would he would say that he was like yeah eight thousand words but most of it was just like journal entry and stuff like that and just wandering around with the characters he's like i'm probably going to use like a hundred of those words that's great like uh i think shit like that's cool because that's holding yourself accountable um to what you like i i write down my goals like every morning i have like these this notebook and you know i put the date and like what you know what all my goals are for that day like how much i'm gonna write this i'm going to the gym blah blah blah, blah. i gotta do this da, da, da. 
but then for the day before, before I do that, I always like in the column next to it, write Like I cross off all the shit I did, what I didn't do. Like I'll write like got drunk at noon, fucked this one up, you know, like it's, it's <laughs> because it holds me accountable. Like, it's like, you know, if I start seeing like a pattern of me fucking up, it's like, okay, dude, let's pump the brakes or what are you That's doing? really smart. It's like self management. Look at these last three days. Like you, you're, you're just pissing on your own leg or whatever. Let's just get back. You know, it just, it's, a, it, but like, it's the same thing that you're talking about with this guy, this other author, it, it, he's that blog. Like that's, it's like kind of like holding himself accountable. Like you're putting it out there. And that's another thing you need, like with that comes with that discipline um, of, of, you know, honing your craft. I think like one of the things you wrote too, that stuck with me, it's been like 14 years since you wrote it, just on a, just on a uh, block you did. He said, like, you know, you really have to put in all the hard work that nobody sees, nobody cares about, but you, that's the work you have to do. It's the things that people care about that don't actually matter, but the things that people don't care about, that's the building blocks to what it is you want to do. Dude, I used to go like, and I still kind of do, but when I first started adapting this, like, or adopting this practice and this mindset, I would be like, literally like, okay, I think about an author that I liked and I'd be like, what are they they're probably not sitting here jerking their their dick right now. They're probably working <laughs> on writing. And I would actually like get up out of bed and make myself like write for like, you know, at least 30 minutes or something before I, cause I would think about like those kind of things. Like while I'm sitting here fucking off, they're getting better. They're mm -hmm. getting better. And that's, it's not like a competition thing because I don't view art as competition. I, at all, I just, uh, just as a driving mechanism like for me i'm just like i want to be the best i want to be the best at least that i can be i want to be a master of this craft i i want i've thrown everything i have into this so i might as well fucking you know make sure i'm you know doing this so that that's like i don't know that's where my mindset goes uh with this i think it's like important to remember too because that drove me a lot in high school writing was somebody said like there was quoting somebody else, but I heard it from my friends. So they get credit. It said, you know, there's somebody out there who wants to do exactly what you want to do. And they're working a little bit harder than you are. So however hard you're working, somebody else is probably working a little bit harder. And when the time comes, people are going to choose between the two of you. They're going to get it because they worked that much harder. That's one way to look at it. And I might've inadvertently heard something like that, that triggered that in me. But I, I like, again, I can't stress. I just want to stress like, it's not, I don't look at this as a competition. I'm, I'm not like, I got to be the best. I got to be better than you. And I got to be better than you. I don't know. It doesn't, you don't like, no way, there's no way to quantify anybody. There, there's no way to quantify that. Like really, like, you know, we do what we do. There's ways to quantify it, but that's not what I'm about. I'm just yeah. trying to be the best. I'm trying to be my best. And this is my choice this is what I'm doing. And I'm going to throw it out there and be the best. But I also love like, like our community and the right, like you, like you were at AuthorCon, you, you yeah. saw everybody. It was rad as shit, right? Like, dude, like um, all the people there were like so helpful too. I was surprised Grady Hendrix gave me more than like thirty seconds. I was like, this guy's actually like talking, talking to me. It's not just oh, hey, you're a fan, bye, fuck off, next person. It was yeah. oh, dude, Peacemaker, fucking love it, dude. What'd you think of this? What'd you think of this? It's like we're yeah. talking like we're we know each other. Yeah, it, it's great, and like. The thing is, is that when we, you know, one of us does well, we all come up, you know, we all come up. So like, you, you, I, I don't view like arguing about that kind of shit as a young man's game is what I say mm -hmm. to people. Cause like, also I'll go back to like playing in bands. Like, man, when I was like, 
some of the bands I played in, when we would go to the gig, you'd watch the other bands and be like, we're better than them. Like you would just want to be better. You're like, yeah, we're better than them. We're better than them. Fuck them. But like, that's such a bad way to look at things. You know, you're not better. This is just what we do. And this is what, you know, they do. And, uh, it's, uh, it, it comes with, I guess, I don't know, perspective and just kind of like maturity, but art is not something to be argued about like that, you know, um, and, and not, and, and like to begrudge someone's success or anything like that is, is just not, uh, the business. So, yeah. I mean, I think it helps a lot too to like look back at where you were versus where you are. It's like, did I get better? I think that's what really matters at the end of the day is, you know, am I doing more for myself? Mm-hmm. Also, like, I think it really helps to think of it as, you know, if one person reads this and likes it, you made someone's day. It doesn't have to be like a knockout of the park every time. Oh, no. Yeah. You like, I, I'm floored all the time. Like, I can't believe people read, like, you read this and like, yeah, like, I'm definitely like just grateful uh, for anybody liking this. So that's why I'm always like super stoked that I get to do this. And I'm very happy and very appreciative of the support that I get from people because I'm like, okay, okay. Like you like it, I guess (laughs) me, you know, Um, but it, it does instill confidence though. And you, it, it gives you that validation that you're like, I have this like notes in my phone that I take, you know, for shit, but I have this one note that just says it's working, um, that I put in there because just little things when people grab me that I like, Hey, you did, did the blah, 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 da, 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 like, and like, Oh man, I listened to your podcast. I feel like I know everything about you. And I'm like, somebody listens to this, you know, and then just Doesn't like, it feel it, good. It's working. Yeah. I'm like, yes, it's like, okay. It's a firm. It's in like an affirmation. Like, okay, it's working. Like I'm, I'm on, this is, I, it's hap- like, I'm, I'm doing, you know, this work and I'm seeing the return. Um, you know, I don't know. It's just something to keep that helps me keep myself on track, I guess. Oh yeah. So uh, what do you have coming up next? Uh, you got any more tour stops? Oh bro. I've got like 25 more weeks at least like, on the road. Um, I've got, uh, I don't know if this comes out, but next weekend I'll be in Phoenix, Phoenix fan fusion. Um, uh, I actually haven't done that one before. I signed up for it like in 29, like before, like everything shut down. And they, that was one they just kept rolling over and over and over. They, they, they just could not land on rescheduling it until finally now. So I'm going to check that out. Um, I like, I like going to Phoenix. I do like Bad Monster Party in Phoenix and, and, and that's always fun. So I got that. I got Spooky Empire in, in Orlando after that. Um, and 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 many more uh but like yeah all my dates are at uh, johnwayneisdead.com on the show's page but yeah i'm just man i'm on the road like constantly so like i said like i see you on facebook i'm like dude this guy stays busy always grinding always dude i love it i love it i love it (laughs) (laughs) he's loving it yeah (laughs) so as you guys know john wayne is not actually dead He's alive. He was frozen. Dennis Leary was right. Yep. That's <laughs> right. So closing out first episode, Family Fright Night. Check us out next week. I guess today was John Wayne Caminale. Caminale. Yeah. Right. It's community in Italian. <laughs> well, tonight we're talking about The Gate. Thank you guys for joining. See you next week. <laughs>
I quickly wanted to let you know my first young adult novel, Moving Through, is now available on Amazon.com and at Chasewill.com slash shop. And from now until Memorial Day, all proceeds go to benefit the Team Viac Training Center, raising money to help prevent veteran suicide. Moving Through follows a group of high school seniors who are mourning the death of a mentor while starting a school-wide rebellion. Sex, prom night, and the world's most disastrous talent show are just a few of the attractions in their private hell. But with a little help from their friends, they may glue the pieces of their shattered world together into a weapon worth wielding. I hope you check it out. Thank you.